This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen, amen. Um, I want to start a new series here, and I don't know how long I'll be into it, but I have some material. And I just want to encourage us. Here we are, it's New Year, 2018. Uh, some people are glad 2017's gone. Some of you had a great year in 2017. But we have a different year, new beginnings. It's new beginnings. How many know God is into new beginnings? He really is. But the Bible says, I'm just a text here uh, in Hebrews Hebrews 11, and this is the first week in my series, uh, The Power of Expectation. I'm talking about expectation. Okay, thank you, 11.6. Watch this here. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that our faith pleases God. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Here's the thing. We need to understand that if God is going to do something, watch this, he, he, excuse me, he looks for people that have expectation. Did you come to church expecting nothing? Because you'll get Nothing. But when you come with expectant hearts, we have expectation that the Vikings are going to make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and it's in Minneapolis, <laughs> of all places. See, but, but see, you're hopeful. And I know people say, don't say anything about it. You'll jinx them. I'm not going to say anything. Okay. <laughs> I never said a word. But, but here's the thing. Expectation, watch this, is faith's fuel if I could say it that way. And so faith, the fuel faith, we know it's grounded in the word, but expectation is like the gasoline throwing the match on faith. So needing a breakthrough this year, you're needing a miracle, maybe a word from God, maybe something, a diagnosis, you need a healing, you need really God to touch your body. You know what, it's time as a church, we begin to raise the level of expectation here. Because I feel that 2018 is going to be a year of harvest for us. Thank you for those amens. That it's, you know, we've been, this will be our 18th year as a church. We started in our living room, in our home, the fall of 99, 2000. And, and God has blessed us and we've taken teams throughout the whole world on mission trips, stateside and overseas. But I just have expectancy that, that something great is going to happen. How many of you remember the songs? This will date you. It's in the 70s, I think it was. I just feel like something good is about to happen. The older people are going, yes. I know. It's not, you know, Hillsong or anything like that. And, it's, and it goes like this. And I just feel like something good is on its way. Maybe the worship team can put a modern rendition to that. <laughs> but it's, it's just great. Why? Because it's expectation. Church, I feel like something good's about to happen. I feel like something good is about to happen. I don't know what it is. I mean, I have a, a thought, but I could be wrong. But I just, something good is going to happen this year. 
<laughs> where the enemy has come in and he's put fear on people in their lives and, and this dread and we fear of North Korea. Something good is going to happen. Something good is going to happen in Iran. You don't think those people are all frustrated for nothing? And when, you know, they're living in abject poverty and these, you know, mullahs are, are, are make, taking millions and billions of dollars. There's an uprising happening. Things are going to change in the Middle East. I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Expectation. We got to expect God for great things. The act, a definition of expectation is this, the act or state of looking forward to an event that is about to happen. That which is expected or looked for, the prospect of the future, watch this, grounds upon which something excellent is expected to happen. Prospect of anything good to come. My question to you all here this morning is, have you entered in this new year with expectation or humdrum? Here we go again. Another year. We're closer to the grave. You know, come on now. Pessimism. You know, well, if it was, you know, knowing my luck this year, we got to expect great things. Come on. Can I get it? Amen. Uh, Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of you, your hearts are sick. But God is going to turn that around. I believe that. Even in through this series. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Or it means this. Delayed hope. You have a, a desire and a passion and a dream, something that's delayed in your life and it's not happening. Your heart becomes sick. And God even references that in the Bible. But it says this, but when a dream is fulfilled, it's like a tree of life. A tree of life. You know, uh, identifying with the sick at heart, I can remember many times in my life, but one time that is very pronounced, back in uh, 1993, I was, uh, had a fallout with my family, it was just all of this stuff, and I got this job way up north from south uh, uh, near the Cape Cod Mass, so I got to go all the way up towards North Concord Mass. You got to fight traffic. It was two hours every day. So I got a job working in this dry cleaning plant, and we had six stores that we had to deal with. And, and I did all the dry cleaning. I was the spotter. I was taking stains out of people's clothes. Now I take them out of their hearts, amen? <laughs> but, but, but taking stains, and some of the stuff is nasty, you know what I mean? And so when it's 110 degrees, because the boiler's running, and steam is there, come on, are you with me? I felt a call to ministry that God called me to preach, but I had no outlet. Nothing was coming to pass. How am I with me? Can you feel that? And I was at the point, even tell my wife, I was ready to check myself into a mental institute. I was like, I gotta go, because I'm crazy. I'm losing my mind. I need to stop thinking this way. Why can't I just focus on the business world and buy my own business and just, just what is the matter with me? Because when there's a fire within you, you can't be shut up. Amen? Amen? It's gotta come out. And God will see to it. And so, but I remember I was failing, I felt so hopeless. I don't know how to explain this. Other than maybe starting to cry right now, so you know how hopeless I felt. I felt so hopeless, I began to just saying, I'll never. There's no opportunity. How many know what I mean by no opportunity? Like there's no financial way I can make this happen, and there's no influential way I can make this happen. I will, it'll, there is no way possible that I could be in the ministry. And before long, um, while I was working at this place, uh, a guy called, most of you hear the story, and, and it was a pastor out here, Pastor Steve Cornermone, invited me to come, and, and I've shared that before, but before that happened, two weeks before, 
This is what I felt the Spirit of God spoke to me, not audibly, but in my spirit. And he said this. He said, Mike, within 90 days, you'll be in ministry. I couldn't believe it. In other words, I wasn't like, oh my God, that's awesome. I did not believe it. I said, this is just stupid. I am really crazy now. And uh, I really need to check into the nut house. And so I began to cry because his presence came upon me right there with tons of clothes that I had to spot, dry cleaning, doing the cleaning, and uh, 40 different chemicals before me that I used to take out stains and gone said within 90 days. That was the summer of 1993. August 1st, 1993, I was in Minnesota and I started full time as a youth minister. And God is good. He knows what he's doing. That was what was in my heart. But I know what it feels like to be sick at heart. Come on now. Are you with me? Where It's like, you know what? I don't feel that this is what I'm called to do. And it's not coming to pass. But I had to remain faithful in this. You know, here's the thing. Most Christians have this doom and gloom and judgment mindset about the future. I mean, whether it's a solar eclipse or the red moons, the blood moons, or the next big thing, California is going to break off and it's going. I've heard that my whole life. Amen? <laughs> and, you know, five, listen, statistics, there's over 5,000 people a day leaving the state of California, just getting out of there. I don't know if they know something's up or what, you know. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah moving out. But God, how many know God has believers there in California? Amen? And there's some good churches, not just the beaches. Amen? So, uh, but, but, but a lot of people, they have like this bad omen. It's just, you know, it's like, yeah, you never know. And so what we do is we sabotage the hope in our heart because why? Well, you know, you let you have your daughter. She's going to go out for a night or whatever in the car. What's the first thing? Oh, God, I don't want them getting in an accident. Oh, I hope they don't. You know, I hope. Why can't we have them just enjoy their time? <laughs> so we have this omen on us that it was just like we uh, diffuse. We, we, you know, we, we, we hijack our hope and expect, expectation because we, what do we do? We relate it to, I remember so-and-so, they tried that, and that didn't happen, and, and look what they went through there, and, and we, just, we just stay in this level, just all, everyone just, you know, no, don't, hey, listen, if you don't expect anything, you're never going to be disappointed. But God wants us to expect great things for he, that he wants to do in and through our life. So expectancy means this. To expect is to look forward to something regarding it as very likely to happen. Do you expect any good this year? Are you expecting God to move in your life, in your business, in your family? It means anticipating the occurrence or the coming of something. Expectation actually has a lot to do with attitude. Somebody shout attitude. You know what, if when I define attitude, it means this. A settled way of thinking, watch this, or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. You know, we've all heard this statement that says that our attitude determines our altitude. Well, if that's true, that means your, watch this, your atmosphere is closely linked to your attitude. What do you mean by atmosphere? What is my atmosphere? Not just the air I breathe, but it's the mood. It's the influence. It's your environment. My brothers and sisters, this is why it's so important for you to have friends that lift you up and not drag you down. Can I get an Amen. You don't need your buds calling you on a Saturday night or a Friday or a Wednesday to go out drinking with them. 
Because you turn a new leaf and you're going to seek God and you're going in a different destination. Amen. And these people call you because the devil is alive and well and he's out there to kill, steal, and destroy. And so he'll use whoever or whatever to send, hey, I got some weed here for you. Come on, I got this for you or that. And he's always there. That's his mode of operation. And we, we needed to be, uh, uh, you know, not around people that are pulling us down, that's pulling us down. We need to be around people that catapult you up to God and the things of God. Say, I don't have that pastor. Start connecting with some people in the church. Start going out. Say, hey, can I take you to lunch sometime? Can I just go out? Uh, can we go get coffee or something? Just start connecting. And men, that's a big thing for a lot of men. They just kind of islands to themselves, you know, and talk about hunting, fishing, and work. But when it comes to social stuff, there's a whole message on that that I'm going to be sharing at the men's uh, retreat. But here's the thing. In atmosphere, without expectation, it'll kill your dreams. It'll kill your dreams. It destroys the hope that is within you. But an atmosphere of expectation, it is conducive to supernatural and divine intervention in the affairs of your life. You say, why is that? Why is that? Well, watch this. Because hear me, God's laws, let me just say it this way. It's God's, God's laws it's, that, it's, it's his laws that create your prosperity, not so much his love per se. How many know that God loves you? But how many know people that they're broke poor? <laughs> but God loves them. <laughs> Amen? I mean, follow with me here. The love of God does not guarantee you to prosper. We know he loves us, and, and we're prospering because we have God. Amen? We're saved. That's prosperity in itself, but... But I mean, said, beloved, I wish that you would prosper in health, uh, spirit, soul, and body. How many know God wants you to prosper and be blessed, to be able to give liberally on all, all ways? Amen? And so, so follow with me here. The love of God does not guarantee prosperity. The laws of God guarantee prosperity. That's where we have the precious promises in the word of God. That's why we talk a lot about sowing and reaping, giving and tithing, taking a step of faith. You know, I know some people, they can, they've heard tithing their whole life and refuse to do it. They won't do it. And they always wonder why they're just always living from hand to mouth. Not really prospering. You say, well, what about wickedness and all that people and they prosper and they're millionaires or whatever? There's a principle. That's what we're talking about here is the principle. So laws of God <clears throat> guarantee prosperity. And, you know, just saying that, let's give an example. I mean, that's why I explain some missionaries are, are broke. Well, evil men have wealth. Why is that? Because, watch this, God is not a respecter of people, but he is a respecter of principles. Should I say that again? God is not a respecter of people. He, 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 he will deal with every person on an even plane. But he is a respecter of principles. And there are people that just say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not willing to, you know, I don't believe that. And so you don't receive from that. How many, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, they would issue us all types of armaments. So you'd have a flak jacket, you'd have a helmet, and... 
uh, you know, you have a web belt, and, and then we back then had what they call an Alice pack uh, that would carry our stuff in and canteen. And then I'd have, you know, if you're NCO, you'd have a, a 45 or the old 1911 uh, pistol, and you have your M16, and you have ammo with that. And, and then now they've got night vision goggles and all. And so every time they said, hey, you know what? Now that you're an NCO, you qualify for a sidearm. I didn't go, I don't want that stupid thing. I don't believe in that. No, everything they offered me, I said, I better have it. Why? I never know when I need it. Amen? That's the same thing about the kingdom of God and principles. We shouldn't look at it as like, well, I don't know if I'm going to accept that part of the Bible, that tongues thing, because you're kind of weird. And, you know, I heard someone else say something about it and gibberish. And, and so what do we do? We cut ourselves off. Do you have the helmet of salvation? Yeah, but you're walking around bare naked with a helmet on. <laughs> Some of you just woke up right there. Amen. <laughs> How many with me? Say amen. I'm almost done. We're going to receive communion here. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> expectation. God is not a respecter of people, but he is a respecter of principle. God does not decide who receives wealth. His laws, his principles are what execute and allow that to flow in our life. Who thrives, who prospers. You know, there's a, a Psalm, Psalm 112 says this. Entering a country does not ensure all will be well. It says, I must love his commandments of the king. It's talking about when you come into a country. Well, so too in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> If you do it God's way, you're going to get God's blessing. Come here, there's a story about the cat. You know, the cat, how many know cats like to be, I really just don't have a heart for cats. But cats, you know, I've had a few that were like, okay, you, 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 can, you can be here on this planet. But, uh, you know, the cats, how many know that if you pet a cat the wrong way, you know, it just, the hair stands up. It's just, it's, it's, and, and cats, are not, they're not going to take it. They're not going to take it. They're going to be like, and he's like, what's the matter? Come here, Rocky, come here. Come here. He's just going to sit there and look at you. <laughs> so too in the kingdom of God. When God, if, if the petting is going the wrong way, the cat needs to get up and turn the right way. Amen? That's for you and I. <laughs> so God's ways work. If we do it God's ways, we'll receive God's blessings. Can you say amen? You know, I'll conclude with this here. There was a, a talking about doing it God's ways. There was a Jewish man I knew while I was in dry cleaning. My dad uh, used to go and have uh, what they call dry stores, pick up the dry cleaning, and then they would go. Uh, we would pick it up, and then we would go dry clean it, and they would press it, and then bring it back to the store. <clears throat> this man, his name was Leon Zimbowski. He's dead now, but he was a Holocaust survivor. Five years. He was a Polish Jew. And he could speak fluent German. So they thought maybe he had German in him or whatever, but no, he could speak fluent German. And so he was a Jew. And so they put him in a concentration camp. And he said for five years, he said he would take pieces of tire, the skins of tires on cars, and wrap just cord. So that would be his shoes walking in the snow. The men suffered. All his family was they, they were killed in the, in the furnaces, lost everything. He survived after five years. He was so good as a tailor that the Germans put him there to fix their suits. And so he would tell the stories about it, and they, he could speak fluent German, and he would, you know, be the tailor for them. And so he, just, he got a little break, and he survived. 
And he tells a story about how even Hitler, he said, would have crosses outside some of the concentration camps. So anytime my dad or we tried to share the gospel with them, cut it off. That guy don't want. You look at, you, you, you killed all these, my family, and you're a Christian? What? And, and so we know Hitler was demonized. Come on now. Okay? And, and, and that wasn't the heart of God at all. But uh, he tells it, and I remember just thinking, you know, it's hard to get through to him. And actually I heard, though, at the end of his life, some family members went to go see him and pray with him, and he received Christ before he died. It was a miracle. But, but the point is, is this, I'm going to end with this, is that, that even though he wasn't a Christian, he was a Jew, and he knew of Jesus and the Messiah, but didn't believe him. He would just say it. He was a smart guy. He was very wealthy. <laughs> I don't know. Those Jews just the smart people. They're so wealthy. And, and uh, he has a little tailor shop. And, but he just, he built a house debt-free. This is back in the 80s in New England. And he had acreage. He used to love, of all things, he loved German shepherds for some reason. <laughs> he loved them. He had, he had 15 German shepherds. They'd dig holes in the ground. They're all tied up. You thought, nobody is coming to your house. Because <laughs> it was like set strategically, like, you know, military encampment. And he used to save, watch this, for years. He just felt, I'm going to save the silver coin. Now, how many remembers silver? Back then, okay, you know, he used to have it. He every time he got change or whatever, because this is what he said: uh, cash only, you know, no checks. Everything he did was cash. So people paid in cash, and so he would take these silver coins every time he would see it, and he would throw it in a chest, literally like a treasure chest, a, a big one. And he did that for years. You know, in January 1980, silver went up to 111 dollars an ounce. And the guy cashed it in. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars just on that silver. And you know, I think about it. The guy understood the principle. And he always had this attitude. This was his attitude. It's like, well, Leon, here, we owe you this. He goes, no, uh, you'd pay the exact amount. It's like, okay. And he goes, and here's a little extra. That's what he did. He goes, I, I don't want it to be known that I owe you. I'm giving you more. Come on now. Stand with me, church. I'm giving you more. The guy was blessed. The guy was blessed. Why? Because he understood somehow the principle of giving, seed time, harvest. And God will use many ways to bless us. But we have to have expectation in our heart. Every head bowed, please, this morning. We'll finish, uh, continue uh, on this part two uh, next week. But I just want to challenge you here this morning about our attitudes in this coming into the new year how the atmosphere or the environment is so crucial to you receiving and staying in a place of expectation, expectation that God has. Uh, the Bible has num numerous illustrations about when people were in expectation, God moved. God moved. And I believe that we need to position our hearts not to be people of unbelief. We should not be a people this year coming into this year saying, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, I need to get an amen on that. Because that permeates up here. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. God spoke before we saw. He spoke the planets. He spoke this earth. He spoke the trees. He spoke creation just by words. So there's power in our words. Every head bowed, please. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I... 
I'm not right with God as of a new year and I want to have a new resolution. I got to get right with God. I got to get on track with God. You know, you're in a great place. You're in a great place here this morning. You made the decision. You got up. You got your kids ready. You came to church. You came by yourself. Whatever the reason. God is here to do something in your life. And I don't say that flippantly. I say that with all sincerity. He is here to do something great this year in your life. But you got to expect it. What's the first step? The step is this. If we confess in our heart, in our mouth, that Christ is Lord, we will be saved. The Bible talks about that. You have a choice. You have a decision to invite Christ to be Lord of your life. If that's you here this morning, I want to ask us to pray together corporately, those watching by television. Pray with me right where you're at to accept Christ in your life. Say this together. Say with me. Say, Jesus I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Master ushers to come forward for communion here. We're going to receive communion. Uh, the only requisite or prerequisite for it is, is you need to know the Lord. And we just, if you don't know, you know him now. And uh, you're good to go. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. It's for, uh, it's for all, all believers. Um, just some information. The trays, the little ones, are for gluten-free. But uh, we're doing a little, something a little bit different here. For the communion, there's actually two cups. Somebody say two. So the bottom one has the cracker in it. And the top one has the juice. All right? So make sure you, you grab two of them. Help out the little ones. Amen? Praise God. And so how we like to, to do this, we invite you all to come. It's from the back. Those of you can make your way down the center aisle. Receive the communion elements. Go back to your seat and we'll partake together. God bless you as you come. sickness you're the healer for every storm you're the calm for all that's lost oh what a savior and on that cross of Calvary every burden has been defeated and every wretched heart redeemed you drown our sins in seas of crimson and hallelujah death is beaten christ is risen from the grave and hallelujah it is finished all to you, the highest praise. 
And on that day of utmost glory, all of darkness cannot tarry, and every shackle will come undone. My solid rock, thine is the kingdom, and hallelujah, death is beaten, Christ is risen from the grave, and hallelujah, it is finished all to you, the highest praise, and hallelujah, death is beaten, Christ is risen from the grave, and hallelujah, it is finished all to you, the highest praise. morning as we dive into this new series to expect God to do something great in and through our lives this year, our church, your families, amen, your businesses, this community, and our nation, amen, because what happens in the nation affects us, and so I really feel something good is going to happen this year. I don't know what it is, <clears throat> but something good is going to happen. And so we need to, we need to rally around that. We need, to, we need to be people of faith and hope. And, and if you see someone that's under it, how I many you know what I mean by under it? They're just like, oh, they're going through something. Lift them up. Lift them up. Just speak words of uh, uh, excitement. You know, one of the things you're, you're not going to get when you come here to Church for the Harvest is doom and gloom. All right? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's all over. It's all going to end. Oh, God, you better start storing up stuff. No. Half the world needs Jesus. Okay? Seven billion people and half of them. So we got work to do. Is Jesus returning? Yeah, he's coming back. But we got some work to do. Amen? Praise God. For I've received of the Lord. Paul writes, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This I want you to do as often as you eat and drink it, in remembrance or for remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. And then it goes on to, and it talks about, which is a very important point we like to bring up, examining your heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to examine your heart. 
So let's just take a moment right now and allow the Holy Spirit to examine our heart and allow the Spirit of God to judge us to where maybe that thing that was said, maybe that behavior, maybe the response, maybe what's going on in my heart right now, you need to repent of and ask God to forgive you and cleanse you. His grace and His power is here to restore you, not just to wash you, but to cleanse you and to restore you in right standing with Him. Thank you, God. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, stand with me if you would, church. Thank you for your attentiveness. How many learned something today? Okay. <laughs> How many know that God has great things for us? But we got to expect it. You know, there's something magnetic about when you walk around with the attitude of instead of the glass is half empty, but it's half full. It really is. It's amazing, even with the power of your words, that down to the atomic level, words affect. They affect. And when you just have an attitude and effect that you're going to be blessed, you know what happens? Things start getting positioned along the way that you didn't even know. And you're like, how did, how did I get that job? Because you were expecting God to do something in your life. Amen. Let me bless you. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you right now for the people of God. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this new year, God. And with expectant hearts, we say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done here in our midst, Father God. Come upon your people, Father, in a great capacity. Expand our boundaries. Fill us, Father, with more of you. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.